真古的秀。Hey folks, it's We'll See You in Hell, your favorite movie podcast. How about that? And today we're talking about the Oscars. We talked about them on the bonus episode on our Patreon uh, for the January bonus ep, and we were going to do this second half as another bonus ep, but you know, we said, why not give the Patreon people a different kind of bonus ep and cover some of this Oscar talk on the regular show, so if you're not on the Patreon, you can hear it. And if you want to hear the other part, you can go join the damn Patreon. How about that? Yeah, for the bonus, Joe and I discussed the Oscars at large, the history of the Oscars, the Best Picture nominees, all nine of them, and the Best Director nominees. It's a great discussion. It's available on the Patreon. Today, we're going to be talking about everything beyond that, the acting categories and et cetera. Um, and I have seen, I think, all of the films. Joe has seen most. And let's let's kick this thing off with best actress. Well, well hold on, you, you, you're forgetting something. To oh, we're doing the whole thing segments. Well, I think you should at least get on with the show. All right, let's get on with the show. And on with Joe. His heart's in it tonight, folks. Uh, you told me that's what you wanted. <laughs> me talking. You got it. I like to. I like. I like when you put a little salt on it. You know, that's all. Well, I got to build to something. We're doing thousands more of these, I assume. All right. So uh, it'll slowly transform over the years. Yeah. Like a transformer or a bumblebee. <coughs> bumblebee got rave reviews. Did you ever see that coming? I ain't gonna see bumblebee, folks. I'm not gonna see it either. But it got ninety some percent. The first one was a D, and I, I assume they only went downhill from there. They did, but, but the Bumblebee is back. The reviews of Bumblebee were like, this is the Transformers movie you always wanted. I never wanted one, so <laughs> I'm fine with it. You didn't like the Transformers as a kid? Uh, I wasn't into them at all. No, not my thing. Really? No. All right. Well, uh, well let me just, I mean, if we're going to have this big Oscar talk, let me get you quickly over to that corner, the movie corner. Because we got a lot to discuss on today's episode. And I'll skip Movie Corner this week. Okay. So we can keep it moving. Uh, I'll discuss three movies that are, you know, at, right outside the Oscar uh, realm, you know, like th movies that were in the mix um, but maybe didn't get nominated. I would like to discuss a picture called Destroyer starring Nicole Kidman. This was so clearly designed to win her a Best Actress nomination, it seemed to be her only interest. They have made her down to look like uh, Officer Tignataro. She looks exactly like the comedian Tignataro in the movie. You know, no makeup, short hair, whatever. Except with major plastic surgery. That's the thing. She's trying to, it's trying to be her Charlize Theron monster, but she has had such work done, no judgment at all. But she looks like a woman who's dropped a ton of money into her face. And that is not this character. And, you know, it's not fair. Maybe it's not right to comment on, but it took me out of it. Fuck not that. that. Why can't you comment on it? The plastic surgery looks weird on anybody. Sure. It looks weird. She, you know, is trying to do the no makeup thing. But when you, you've altered your face to that degree, no makeup doesn't have the same impact. It's just... Basically, I wasn't buying her. I didn't think her performance was very strong. She talks the whole time like, I'm a tough cop. Like, li literally that kind of voice. That was just from the surgery. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I, I'm on the beat. You know, like, opening scene, you know, there's a dead body and Nicole Kidman comes walking out, like, throws the police caution tape, you know, walks over to it and she's like, whose body is this? Like, shoves her way in. Like, I'm going to find out who did this. And they're like, Wait, have you even been to bed yet? You gotta clean yourself up. Stop the drinking. And I'm like, she's, wait, she's yelling at crooks like this about making the no, bed. No, the other cops are yelling at her like, you gotta pull yourself together. Oh, oh sorry. She's okay. like, fuck you. I'm like, I'm like, guys, come on. If this was Die Hard with a vengeance or something, 
fine. Now, is this entire film voiced by Cartman? Yes, Cartman <laughs> plays a key role. I mean, the the picture is not convincing. There's a, a mid, midway twist that leads to some action scenes that are pretty exciting and well done. Beyond that, it just doesn't ring true. It's like when they tried to do Training Day again, that movie Harsh Times with Christian Bale. I liked Harsh Times. This is kind of another step down. Like you can tell nobody involved with it had anything to do with the police aside from maybe a ride along one night or something. It just doesn't feel legit. And I love L.A. cop movies. I love them even when they're bad. But this just didn't didn't do the trick for me. All right. Uh, Plastic surgery doesn't always look weird, by the way. Just usually. True. Can it can look great. Uh, yeah, a little bit, though. You got to go, you know, that stuff's like salad dressing. You can't go pouring it on, man. Sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, another movie that got a little bit of Oscar buzz and there was talk of it maybe being nominated. It did not get nominated, nor did Gosling, nor did Damien Chazelle, who uh, got nominated for La La Land, of course, uh, f- and Whiplash, which is an incredible movie. First man, I'll be goddamned. I thought it was panned. I look it up last night. It had great reviews. I sit down. I'm like, I should have seen this fucking thing at the theater. The first 20 minutes are like putting you almost in like a uh, like when you go to Disney or California Adventure and they show you like like you're flying over the city. It's actually pretty awesome and realistic. It's like planet Earth kind of. And that's what this felt like. It was like you're in the cockpit, which all these astronaut movies they never really do they never put you in the cockpit make you feel the claustrophobia of it quite like this it was awesome uh and then the stuff when he's at home was just kind of like a a very slow madman episode but it's about a topic i enjoy a guy having difficulty communicating um a guy having trouble connecting with his wife and kids um and his work is so all-encompassing that he just doesn't have the juice when he gets home he's he's so addicted to his job uh that it affects of course his relationships and his personal life um i can relate to that a lot right now not that i'm having problems but you know it's hard to make two things work we should talk well she no. called she <laughs> called me <laughs> we just don't get to we don't get to see each other you know and it puts a strain on things and i am always sort of in my work and have to be and that can take its toll. Uh, this and I movie, will tell you, it makes you a lot of fun a lot of the time. <laughs> I'm very fun. I'm very fun. But, uh, you know, it, it's a movie about the line you walk between mm-hmm. work and home. And that really is the movie. However, the space stuff is awesome. It's way beyond, like, what Apollo 13 did. I think the movie as a whole, if you talk about how successful the space effects and the moon effects are, and how fairly involving and interesting the home stuff is. It averages out to a B plus, but it's a great movie and one I would recommend. And I think Damien Chazelle is an awesome director. Okay. Uh, and my third, folks, I got to talk about that mule. You Not know. Enough about my dick. You know I got to talk about that mule. Uh, directed by, starring Mr. Clint Eastwood. This thing is completely insane. It was, I I looked up and actually laughed out loud when I saw that it was written by the guy who wrote a little picture called Gran Torino, Mm. which ends with Clint Eastwood singing, there's a Gran Torino. Uh, We've discussed the film. I found it atrocious. (laughs) The man makes some mistakes in his life when he's on, unforgiven, etc., Man, the fucker is on. And when he's off, he's way off. And now he's playing a 90-year-old man in this movie. And it's a true, based on a true story about an old man who ran drugs for the cartel. Um, the story is pretty entertaining. What they sprinkle it with is just what they sprinkled Gran Torino with. Long scenes of Clint being racist. People point out to him that he's being racist. He chuckles. And you move on to the next scene with no repercussions. I don't know how this thing got made in this time. He walks up to help a family. Uh, it's a it's a black couple. And he they're like, thank you so much, sir. He's helping them with their tire. And he goes, yeah, it always makes me feel good to help the Negroes. 
And this is, of course, set in 2018. Right. And the woman goes, uh, excuse me? She's like, we don't use that word. And he's like, really? I'm uh, sort of helping you with your tire here. <laughs> Chuckles, fixes the tire. And he's like, all right, I'll see you later. Gets back on the road. There's, n- It's never mentioned again. Wow. So that scene, and I assume if I had seen it in the theater in Missouri while I was home for Christmas, would have played this way, was designed for comedy. <laughs> Just like Gran Torino. You know, Philip Seymour Hoffman, I always tell that story about him dying laughing while wasted and in sweatpants at uh, a screening of Gran Torino. The movie is funny, but it's funny in a way of you're like, is this okay? Is this supposed to be making me feel this uncomfortable? Does Clint just think this is how people act? And I think a lot of the people who watch these Clint Eastwood movies now and get excited about them, it is the way they talk and act. So maybe they appreciate being seen. But to watch Clint Eastwood make kind of like racist remarks to person after person and then chuckle when they get offended is weird. It's just weird. It is weird. It is weird. I just hope we don't get in trouble for you just saying that. The word? Yeah. Well, today I tried to tell the room about it, and I said N-word with an O on the end, and nobody knew what I meant. <laughs> do you see Do you see what I mean when I say context? You got to be able to say things in context. And then everybody was like, well, you can say that word, which is why I said it here, but yeah, I, did, I didn't want to. I'm telling you what was said in the movie The Mule. I don't think Viggo Mortensen wanted to either. Uh, well, he's, well, he well he said the actual word, which I would never say. The uh, uh, anyway, all right. I got to check that mule out. You said he had a few threesomes in it, right? The mule. A half hour into this picture, Clint Eastwood <laughs> has had two threesomes. <laughs> Why? I mean, I mean, one, with hookers. Right? Once he calls hookers, the other time the cartel sets it up. But look, okay, all right. You get kind of into it. You don't see penetration, but you get kind of into it. Clint Eastwood also. You picture him behind the camera, panting, gasping for air. There are scenes like at, at Andy Garcia's playing the head of the cartel, <laughs> pretty on the nose, and they like he's played that role eight million times. He's and, also like seventy. Now. Yes, well, <laughs> it's got to be somebody who makes Clint look like he's a movie star. So they go into this cartel party, and it's like an entourage shot of like the pool and the women and everything. But the camera makes such a clumsy dive into this woman's ass. And just like stays at a bad angle on this woman's ass for like 15 seconds. And you just imagine Clint filming this thing. And I really do feel like he's like, I'm going to make a movie for my base, my people. A movie like the old days where there'd just be a long close-up of an ass. A movie where you can call people racist slurs. And sure enough, the movie received pretty good reviews. Right. It uh, did well at the box office. Maybe there's been discussions elsewhere about the racism, but I was shocked by it i haven't heard it mentioned once about the movie yeah me neither uh like grant torino that was kind of the the that was the point right was that he's a racist guy that ends up dying on behalf of people he was racist towards yes this doesn't sound like i mean look well the whole movie was he's trying to make up his his marriage hit the skids with deanne weist who i i always like to see this is not her best performance by a long shot but he's trying to patch it up with her before she dies. But he's a mule, Joe. He's stubborn as a mule. But he's also a drug mule, Joe. Oh, uh, I didn't get the double thing. And the whole movie becomes about his redemption and like making things right in the eyes of his wife and kids. But you're like, but what are we going to do about all the racism we've seen that you realize in the end was there for comic relief? And that doesn't sit well with me, I must say, in, in 2019. It's a little upsetting. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that's upsetting. Um, all right. Well, maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I won't watch it. I don't know. I have no interest in it. I just didn't. I, that's why I haven't seen it yet. It ain't great. If it popped up on HBO, it could kill an afternoon. But it's better than Trouble with the Curve. I'll tell you that. First Man. Coincidentally, your... is uh, a lot of ladies Yelp review about my penis, folks. <laughs> they had a little trouble with the curve. Two dick jokes. Folks. Two dick jokes in tonight. I got that mule one out. You got the trouble with the curve one out. Mm-hmm. What other Clint Eastwood movies can we make dick jokes about? Gran Torino. It uh, seats five comfortably. There it is. <laughs> there it is. A mystic river of jizz, right? Yeah. Uh, the fighter. It's ready to go another round. Fighter's David O. Russell. He directed oh, Million shit. Dollar Baby, which is Million a good nickname for my penis. Uh, right. Let's, let's get, get, to, get the, to the Oscars. Yeah. 
What do we got first? Best, best actress, best actor? The people best. who did actually get nominations, not those losers I was just talking about. Uh, yeah, we'll start with actress. First up is is the favorite, not the movie The Favorite, but the, the favorite to win, won the Golden Globe and all that. Miss Glenn Close. And, folks, if ever there was a case of somebody being awarded not based on current uh, merit, but on a lifetime of work, this is that again. They do it again and again at the Oscars. People get awarded for the wrong performance. Martin Scorsese won Best Director after all those years for The Departed. I love The Departed. Martin Scorsese has made much better movies than The Departed. And it winds up kind of being unfair to the people who did give better performances because the wife, in my opinion, is one of the weaker Glenn Close performances I've ever seen. It is not her best, and they, it doesn't go both ways because Spike Lee's not going to win this year even though he's never won Best Director, but they'll give it to this old white lady. I don't know why I'm talking about race so much tonight. I guess it's because it's all you see everywhere, but this is one particularly particularly notable case where Glenn Close does not deserve this And it is award. strange that you're this race woke as you sit there in a sombrero. <laughs> Folks, I'm not wearing a sombrero. <laughs> I do have castanets, but I'm not wearing a uh, Glenn Close, you, you didn't see The Wife, right? No, I heard it sucked. So yeah, I, I talked about it on it. this pod. It's, it's laughably bad in spots. And she's fine in it. She's been better in everything down to Damages, the, the AMC show. Now, this I did see. Can you ever forgive me? Can you ever forgive me? Melissa McCarthy. Now, I had to read this. I thought maybe she was nominated for her work in Life of the Party, which I talked about last week. <laughs> uh, can you ever forgive me? This is a film where Melissa McCarthy plays the most disgusting person that's ever lived, uh, who's <laughs> well, a struggling writer and keeps cat shit under her bed and drinks all day and then yells at her agent that she uh, that she can't get a break. Right. Uh and then her agent's she, like, hey, try wiping your ass. Maybe I can get you a meeting with a uh, book agent. Basically. Yeah. And then she starts to forge. Her agent, beautifully played by Miss Jane Curtin. I uh, love Jane Curtin. Yeah. I love Melissa McCarthy. She's very good in this movie. Um, you know, it's one of these like sort of shyster flicks. You know, it's a con, con woman that's, you know, turning, not tricks, that's the wrong term, but, you know, she's running. Forging books. Forging letters. signatures, letters. Yeah. And, uh. And then she gets caught and, you know, and then she later in life, I read about the real lady today, Lee Israel, who went on to say she was proud of her forgeries. You know, it's like, it kind of taints the movie a little bit, you know, like, <laughs> mm -hmm. like you're kind of an asshole for doing that. I get it. You were desperate. Right. You could have also gone and worked at fucking 7-Eleven or something. Right. Uh, but, you know, uh, anyway, she... Uh, She's great in the movie. The performances are all very good. It's very well directed. Um, and I think, you know, I think McCarthy deserves the nod. Do you know the comedian Emily Heller? Yes. It's her older sister directed this movie. Oh, really? Uh, I really liked Can You Ever Forgive Me? Um, I thought it was, had a lot of really nice little moments, especially I really liked the moments between Jane Curtin and Melissa McCarthy. And Jane Curtin even though she's the man in this exchange, like just being completely right. Like you're almost asked to side with the man. It's like, get your shit together and maybe I can help you out. Um, I love any movie about a, a character who can't get their shit together. I always feel like I'm one minor decision away from being uh, a character like this. Melissa McCarthy. But um, I like the movie. I like the, the two lead performances and I thought Melissa McCarthy was great in it. I always knew she had a drama in her, but she really, I think, inhabits this role in a way that makes you forget Melissa McCarthy. And it's not its not like heavy drama. You know, it's its still flippant yeah. and funny. And There's a joke here and there, yeah. I, I thought she was great. Joe, quick trivia question. There's been only one tie for Best Actress in 1969. Who were the actresses? I'm going to go with Helen Hunt. And 69? Julia Roberts. Joe, they were... Tadpoles. Okay, I'm going to go with Shirley Temple. She would have been 100. And the girl that played Heidi. <laughs> That's Shirley Temple. Oh, well then Shirley Temple tied herself. Uh, it was Barbara Streisand for Funny Girl and Catherine Hepburn for The Lion in Winter. I always get The Lion in Winter confused with The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe. Sure, sure. And that's a real disappointing mix-up. Yeah. You're... 
Um, Who's next? Next is everybody's favorite actress, easily one of the greatest actresses of all time, Lady Gaga. Oh, God. Uh, I, folks, I mean, I don't think she's kicking off some acting career that's going to stand the test of time. I think to award a, a, an actress for, I'm sorry, a singer for playing a singer adequately seems like a bit much especially since she's never acted before it's ridiculous um i did like lady gaga in this movie i can't be mad at her for her peers thinking she was great in it but um she was good in it and i think but really for me only came to life in the moments where she was singing which makes sense she had beautiful performances of things she was good in her romantic scenes but you know for me, it, she doesn't have my vote. It's Frank Sinatra all over again. I, I, there is no bigger fan of Frank Sinatra than me. I love his music, and I like his movies. I do not think he ever deserved a Best, Oscar, a best Actor Oscar, or Best Supporting Oscar, whatever he won for From Here to Eternity. I liked him in From Here to Eternity. I liked I him in it, too. I like yeah. him in a lot of things. I'm just saying, like, come on, man. There are, there are, like, craftsmen out there. Right. It's like, give me a break, you know? So I think it's just the same thing as that. Nothing against her. No, and she's she's good in the movie, but come on. Uh, Yelitsa Aparicio for Roma. This is her first movie ever. I believe she's like, yeah, she's 25 years old. Um, You know, plucked from obscurity. It's a good story. I think she's good in the movie. It's a largely silent performance. Um to me, this movie is all about the way it was shot, um, which is genuinely impressive. But the other things, to me, are not as great. And I thought she was good in the role, but again, I, I'm not thinking about her when I think about Roma. Olivia Coleman is our next nominee. Uh, my money's on her. Olivia Coleman was incredible. Even though in, I haven't in, seen uh, all these movies, but I favorite. think she's yeah. I think she was just tremendous in that movie. Yeah, we discussed Roman the Favorite and all these over on the uh, Patreon, but she was amazing in this movie and I think really got the best of her scene partners, Rachel Weisz and uh, Emma Stone. I think they really came up around her because she's just that good. She's great. Um, By the way, surprising uh, boob shot from Emma Stone in this movie. Yes. I was not expecting that. Um, I wasn't either. And I, folks, I liked it, if I, if I can be honest with you. Um, for me, the will win is Glenn Close. I think the only person who stands a chance is Lady Gaga. My vote would be Coleman. And my second choice would probably be McCarthy. My vote is for Coleman. I think McCarthy might take it. This, the odds in this Entertainment Weekly give Melissa McCarthy a 3% chance. Well, but they give the Roma lady a 1% chance. I don't know. Yeah, I think do. it's going to be close and there could not be. I mean, the, the woman has been incredible in many things. Not the wife. Uh, for best actor, we're talking about Christian Bale for Dick Cheney. To me, everybody in this movie was doing an SNL impression with the comedy removed uh, or turned way down. And f- I just never I never like biopics. I never like. Movies where you just feel the person doing an impression of somebody as opposed to inhabiting that person. Christian Bale is good as Dick Cheney. I mean, he disappears in the role with the help of makeup. But, I mean, man, he's the front runner for this award, and I just think it's ludicrous. Uh, I would we agree. We talked about the movie on the other pod. I would agree with that. Uh, Rockwell, I believe, is also nominated for Best Supporting. Uh, and Amy Adams is also nominated for Best Supporting. I think all th- I'm a fan of all three people. I think all three nominations are, are, are off base. Uh, first of all, Rockwell's barely in the goddamn thing. Right. Uh, he shows up, you know, in a couple scenes, has a few lines here and there, uh, is not pressed in any way to do anything, you know, that crazy, right? Slightly less funny Will Ferrell. Yeah. yeah uh, and, and the same with Adams. Adams gets to show a little more emotional range, but she's kind of just playing that typical... 
you know, the, the, the like dragon lady wife behind the politician, you know, right. it's like you, you've kind of seen it a million times. I thought she was good, but I, I caught her acting too. You know, it's just one of those movies where you're like, nah, sorry. Um, it, it is harder, especially working in the biz to not just see people acting. But like to me, uh, as I as I said at the beginning, a, a performance that is so much more interesting to me than these flashy, showy performances is Gosling in First Man. He plays it all close to the vest, but you see that he is like dying inside and doesn't know how to deal with loss and grief and et cetera or talk to people. And to me, he he acted head and shoulders around these people and didn't get any mention at all. Who's next? Next is Rami Malek. Now that's now that's somebody who is acting with a capital A. I, as we've discussed on this show, thought he did a really good job. I would love to see and at least have the chance to compare what Sasha Baron Cohen would do with it. Rami Malek annoyed me in spots, and I couldn't tell if that was an accurate portrayal of Freddie Mercury or if it was just Rami Malek being annoying because if you've seen him win things this year he's an annoying dude uh, i thought he was tremendous i think he absolutely deserves the nomination uh i do not think sasha baron cohen could have done as well he wouldn't have gotten uh, the heart that's for sure sasha baron cohen i think would have traipsed into the territory you're talking about it, with uh, vice i felt like it would have been an impression yeah he would have figured out sort of character traits and mimicked them very well but rami malik the emotion was there, the struggle of a guy being gay and not being able to be openly gay because of his background and the times he was living in and his confusion and everything. I, it was all there. I, I mean, he nailed this fucking part. Without Remy Malik, that would have been a bad movie. Uh, I agree. I mean, he held together a two and a half hour biopic really well. And you always sort of were able to believe you're watching one of the most charismatic people of all time. That's no small feat. No. And it is a really good performance. Uh, Willem Dafoe in At Eternity's Gate. What? Not only have I not seen it, I don't know anyone who's seen that movie. What the fuck is that? I believe he's playing Picasso. So that's a movie that I will never see. <laughs> Although Julian Schnabel directed it, who did... Uh, what's the one where the guy like paints with his mouth? That was a good Pollock. movie. Diving Bell and the Butterfly. That was a good movie, actually. Uh, and Julian Schnabel's a good director, but... Folks, I got no interest in another biopic of a painter, I'll tell you that much. I'd watch a movie about Picasso with Defoe. He's probably real crazy in it. I mean, I, I bet the movie's so boring, it's like watching paint dry. Folks. <laughs> uh, next up is Bradley Cooper, and as Andrew Dice Clay said, hey, you know, maybe next year you'll get something for the, act, for the directing thing. Tang. This, this year, <laughs> it's all about the acting. That's what you're known for. Be happy. Uh, Bradley Cooper is good in this movie he is that picture makes me sick that and the, the picture is why i'll never truly respect bradley cooper i'm looking at a picture of him like biting his fist like like blanche dubois or blanche uh, Devereaux, excuse me on the golden girls and staring off into space he's like, doing like the thinker isn't he like a pensive actor and it's really oh, gross god fuck off hearing him and lady gaga talk about acting and their connection and everything is pretty sickening the truth is, for a directorial debut, it's a really well-directed movie. I heard it was saved in editing, but regardless, what's on the screen is great. And he's really good in it. At some points, you catch him doing like a intentionally deep voice, like Nicole Kidman was doing in the other movie. It's like, no, talking in a deep voice doesn't ma make you more serious. It makes you look kind of silly. But Bradley Cooper is good in this. I, I wouldn't get him anywhere near the, the Best Actor Award. But he is good in the movie. And the movie, again, is good. It, it'll surprise you if you think you know what it is. Uh, quick trivia question, Joe. Quick Oscar trivia question. Daniel Day-Lewis is the only actor to snag three best actor wins. What mm -hmm. are the films? Phantom Thread, There Will Be Blood, My Left Foot. My Left Foot, There Will Be Blood, and Lincoln. Oh, fuck. Lincoln. That's right. It was Lincoln. Shit. But, you know, it was fun. He's been nominated six times for the honor. Uh, v. Joe Mortensen is nominated for Green Book. V. Joe Mortensen is really likable in Green Book. 
His role consists largely of being kind of dumb and eating a lot. He folds up a pizza at one point, a large pizza like a calzone, and eats it in a wife beater. You know, you want to talk about how subtle this movie why does is. He, why He's does an he, Italian character. Why does, he, why does he do that? He's just a big eater. His like and whole, then he goes like this. He goes, he goes, ah, the sauce. <laughs> One of his biggest character traits in the movie, like uh, probably his biggest. He, basically, he's a racist guy who eats a lot. Uh, Vijay Mortensen has been better before. He'll be better again. Um, if you want to see some really choice, underrated Mortensen, I would recommend uh, Captain Fantastic that came out a few years ago. I think he got nominated for that, too. I thought he should have been nominated for Sahara. I don't even remember Sahara. but It I might have been so. McConaughey. I don't it remember. It was McConaughey, but he might have been in there, too. I think Mortensen was in it. Uh, and it was Steve Zahn, McConaughey, and I think Kate Hudson. But maybe Mortensen had a support. Mortensen was in after the Lord, the Lord of the Rings movies. He was in some like desert movie. He was. I love him in Eastern Promises. I love him in uh, History of Violence. I think he's a good actor. But Indian Runner, if you want to go way back, Sean Penn's movie. But, uh, you know, Vijo's super likable here. He's basically playing the role as good as like the eighth lead on The Sopranos, which is what he is doing. He's playing that kind of role with that level of subtlety. And look, I, I don't think the guy deserves the award by any stretch of the imagination, but he's a good actor and I like him in this Are part. you excited that they cast young Gandolfini as the young Tony Soprano? I hope he can act. I hope he can act. I mean, look, no one's more excited about this movie than I. However, to see it with none of the people from the show is, I can't get that excited. Nobody from the show is in it? I don't think they. Well, make, I guess not, right? Because Tony's it, like it goes way back. Yeah, it's uh, putting together a good little cast, but like uh, I don't know. I mean, who? Wants I never to see? thought even on the Sopranos when they'd go back to his childhood, it was never my favorite part of the show. Who wants to see a children prequel of the Sopranos? I kind of well, it's Uncle Junior who's like you know eighty on the show. It's like him in his prime and uh, Tony's dad in his prime and stuff. And you know, to see the mom Livia when you know when she's uh, forty will be fun. I'm excited to some degree. It is the cat. I bet you the tag phrase is watch this family rise to its high note. The Sopranos. <laughs> Look, I'd submit it. That's better than probably what they will come up with. <laughs> well, before we move on, let us throw to our sponsor. We'll be right back right after a word from our sponsor. All right, we're back. Best supporting actress. Regina uh, King, right? For, for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, I'm very excited for her. Regina King has long been the best part of a lot of movies. She's a great actress. And she is nominated for If Beale Street Could Talk. Beale Street Could Talk, I really enjoyed. It's from Barry Jenkins, the guy who made Moonlight. It's nowhere near that good or important. But it is a very... <laughs> well done and kind of moving love story told out of order to sort of make it seem a little more interesting than it is i would say um but it's shot really well and it does something that's very difficult to do in movies which is make you really believe that the two people are in love with each other regina king plays the girl's mom uh she is really great in the movie and deserves all of her acclaim. I'm excited for her because this is an actor that, you know, started out on 227. Great show. Jack K. Uh, and then, you know, bopped along into some movies and stuff and then showed up on TV shows here and there. But I got to be honest, I thought, I actually met her once. She was very nice. I thought she was kind of like in that position of, this is she's going to be a character actor. She's going to pop up on TV shows and like five episode arcs and stuff like that. Uh, but that's it. So to see her now stepping into the biggest spotlight she's ever stepped into is exciting. I'm I'm very happy for yeah. her. It's a it's a very good movie. Uh, really, kind of impossible not to like, and uh, she is really good in it. As is everybody. It's a, it's a very good movie. Um, terrible title. If Beale Street could talk, it's like that's not a good title. I'm sorry. Emma Stone. I, I, what, 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 I like the title. I don't mind The that. title really says to me, don't watch me. <laughs> it took me a long time to watch it. All right. Uh, Emma Stone for the favorite. Emma Stone was great in this, as was Rachel Weisz, who I assume is also nominated, and I'm going to just double check. Yes, she is. They're both nominated. I thought they were both great. I don't know that either deserves a supporting actress nod, but they were both very good. 
I to me, I thought they were both great. Uh, Emma Stone's got some growth to do as an actress, but I always like her. Vice kills it in this movie. I thought Vice was incredible. Uh, and really, Vice with like a V. I think that's how you pronounce it, Rachel really? Vice. Rachel Vice. I thought she was. I thought she was great. I thought they were both great. I just didn't compared to Coleman brings is given so much to do first of all and yes. brings so much into it. Uh, it's pretty incredible. I would actually give it to Stone over Vi- Vice, not the movie, right. the actress, because Stone's character goes through an actual pretty large transition in the f- movie. Rachel Vice is pretty much the same person the entire time. Not that she's bad, but she plays who she plays the entire time. That's true. Stone, um, by the end of it, is completely unlikable and just awful. Yes. I yeah I I it's really just a preference I just I liked Rachel Vice more, um, Black Swan that's a great fucking movie, just saying. All right, her her ex husband Darren Aronofsky did it. I love Black Swan, great great movie. Um, Joe, isn't it weird too that she's Hugh Grant's boy girlfriend and about a girl, and Nicholas yes. Hout is also invited. And then in this, that is weird. I wonder if she recommended him. You know, it's just weird seeing them play like peers now. Yes. When they were in a movie where he was like a little kid. Right. She looks the same exact age. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, only two actresses have won Best Supporting Actress twice. I won't, I won't ask you that. It's kind of hard. Shelley Winters and Deanne Wiest. Deanne Wiest won in 1987 and 1995. What were the movies, Joe? And I know you've seen them both. Hannah and her sisters. Yep. Deserved. 1995... Uh same director. Hold on. What the hell movie did he do in 1995? 1995 he did... Uh... Wait, I was in high school. It's a funny one. Hold on. I, hold on. Miramax. I know, it's... Wait a minute. Give me a second. Hold on. Just give me a second. Uh, I'm just thinking of the listeners. Manhattan Murder Mystery? Bullets Over Broadway. Oh, shit. That's right. Uh, Amy Adams also nominated for Vice. I found her good as always, but kind of hammy and did not really inhabit that part very well. And then Marina de Tavira, who is uh, supporting in Roma, and to me makes quite a, quite a bit less of an impression than the lead. So I, I would not vote for her. What's either. her percentage to win? They've got her at four percent, but Emma Stone below her with three. Okay. They're picking Regina King. And Amy Adams in second, which to me says Regina King's got it in the I'd bag. I'd like to see King get it. Uh, all right. Who do we got for Best Supporting Actor, our final category? We've got... By the way, what's the sh- the least amount of screen time someone had for- and won Best Supporting Actress? Christ, I don't know. Beatrice Strait for Network, eight minutes. Really? Uh, Best Supporting Actor. Give it to me, Daddy. Mahershala Ali, which I realize as I read it, I've been mispronouncing for two years now. Mahershala Ali uh, in Green Book is, I would say, exactly the same thing I said about him that I said about uh, Vigo. Extremely likable performance. They both seem like roles that come very comfortably to these two and not like some sort of stretch. But they're likable and they have great chemistry together, and that ain't nothing. I like the actor a lot. Uh, Sam Rockwell is George W. Bush. I love Sam Rockwell. I think you'd agree. Not well, quite deserved. Yeah, you know, we and I already talked about it, but right. it's 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 Sam Rockwell is arguably my favorite working actor. Yes, and I feel like this is just a publicist being like, this guy should be nominated, guys. He does a lot of good work. Yeah, he won Best Actor last year, so maybe take a year. Oh, he did. Yeah. Oh, that's right. For, uh, Best supporting actor or best actor? I think actor? he won best actor for that. Um, you know, he's he's perfectly competent in the movie. It's just not an interesting part, and it's a thing we've seen many, many other actors do. We've seen yeah. a lot of George Bush portrayals at this point. I got so. two, two great trivia questions for you here. Who was the first black man to win best supporting actor? It was 1983, and I'll give you a hint. Mayonnaise. I don't know. Lou Gossett Jr., Officer and a Gentleman. Awesome performance and an awesome movie if you haven't seen it. I've never seen it. It's a great, great picture. Love it. Deb Winger, Enterprise. Prime. <laughs>
here's a great question that I got last night on the treadmill, uh, but it took me a while. The only two brothers ever nominated for Best Supporting Actor are one was nominated in 1989 and one in 2001. It might take you too long. I, I got it, but it took me a while. Give me a hint. Uh, Arizona is your hint. As in raising? I'm just saying Arizona is your hint. Uh, Nicholas Cage and Johnny Cage of Mortal Kombat fame. <laughs> no, it is River Phoenix for Running on Empty and uh, Joaquin Phoenix for Gladiator. What's the Arizona? That's where they lived? Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, okay. Well, kind of a fun clue. Uh, Richard E. Grant, who I love from With Nail and I and was very good in Can You Ever Forgive Me? Yeah, he was terrific. Uh, I think he's got a shot. He's Adam great. Driver. Adam Driver is gl- great. I would Black love to Klansman. see. I'd love to see him take it. He ain't going to get it, but he was really good in that movie. And Sam Elliott, you stole my voice for A Star is Born. Um, they are calling this for Maharaja Ali. I think it was a strategic move to put him in supporting because it's a lead actor performance. Um, and I think it's crazy to say that Mortensen is the lead of that and Ali is supporting. They're in every scene together. That is strange. From start to finish. I it's not fair strange. and it's weird. I also thought it was strange that Emma Stone wasn't considered a lead in favorite and Olivia Coleman wasn't considered supporting. Yeah. She's in the movie significantly less. Coleman, Portman, and Vice should have all been nominated for supporting. But there's no real well, you lead actors le- to that movie. No, I mean, I don't think I'd say Stone. It's Stone's story. Maybe, you know, it's her character's story. They're calling this for Ali. I think the award goes to probably Ali, but I think Sam Elliott and Richard E. Grant have chances. I think my pick, my pick would be Richard E. Grant. I'd love to see Sam Elliott up on that stage, and I think a lot of voters would. I'd like to see Grant or Elliott just out of the the prestige of their careers. They've had long yeah. careers, and you know. Uh, but only, uh, but only post posthumous Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. You know this. That's the guy from Network. That's or, Heath or, no, Ledger. That's, that's Heath Ledger. But the guy from Network won posthumously. He got Best Actor. This is for supporting. That's what I'm saying. The guy in Network got Best Lead Actor. Peter Finch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did. I thought he was supporting in that movie. No. He's mad as hell. Um, Let's real quickly run over the other... Not every one of the categories. If he was alive, I bet he would have said, I'm not mad as hell, and I will take it, as he he took the statue. Yes. Uh, Cinematography, Cold War, the favorite, Never Look Away. What is Never Look Away? I've never heard of it. Roma and A Star is Born. the, The surest thing to a lock if you're doing these pools... Roma will win Best Cinematography and definitely deserves it. It's incredibly photographed. What do we got in the screenplay category? Screenplay. That's what I'm curious Always about. my favorite. There's original and adapted. Or Best Original Screenplay, The Favorite. Okay. First Reformed. Okay. Which I fucking love. Paul Schrader's movie. Green Book, which how, how is that an original screenplay when it's based on a true story of, of this guy's life? Uh, well, the Favorite's based on a true story. Yeah, sure. Roma and Vice. Vice is the worst it's of these insane nominees. insane that that's in there. Uh, I Well, I'd love to see the favorite get it. I didn't see, what's it called? Best Dressed, the priest one? First Reform. First Reform. <laughs> uh, I'd like to see that win just, just because I, I like Paul Schrader, and I, I really want to see that movie. I, I didn't a get a screener, movie. nothing, man. They didn't send a screener, that's, and that's why they're shut out of more, like Ethan Hawke would have been nominated if they had sent out a screener. And that ain't fair. Paul Schrader didn't have the money to do it. Uh, First Reformed has zero chance of winning this. It goes to Roma or the favorite. My money's on Roma. But in terms of screenplay, you know, yeah, I think I'd go with the favorite. I'm going to call it now, and this is going to contradict what I said, uh, some of what I said on the other first part of this uh, two-part Oscar podcast. I think Roma's going to sweep the whole thing. I think Roma's going to win a lot. I think that's going to be the big, like, sweep movie. Yeah, for sure. And they'll see it as a fuck you to Trump because it's about Mexicans and et cetera. They'll make it political like like they do. Um, best Adapted Screenplay, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. You've got to be fucking kidding me. Let's pit stop here for a minute. This fucking movie 
Yeah, I Best mean... Best... Ad- are you out of your fucking mind? You'll find no bigger Coen Brothers fan and apologist. I can go to bat for intolerable cruelty if you want me to. But no, I can't go with you on Buster Scruggs. And if anything, I liked it because it looked great. The stories were not holding my interest at all. Ridiculous. And uh, that's a... Di- I got to be honest. I didn't even know it was adapted. That's adapted and that's as good as they could do. I don't. I think it's adapted. It's one of these things where they wrote a novel or something. All these things have terrible loopholes in them. But I think it's an original. It should be an original, but there's some loophole. Uh, Buster Scruggs, Black Klansman, which is a great screenplay. Absolutely. I guess that's adapted from an article or something. Can you ever forgive me if Beale Street could talk and a star is born? Great screenplays across the board. You know, those are great nominees. My vote is Black Klansman. Sure, sure. Visual effects. Avengers Infinity War. Christopher Robin. What do they do? Animate Winnie the Pooh and they're in the visual effects category? Well, he interacts with Tigger and all those those guys for the whole oh, movie. Well, pardon me all to hell. Well, I mean, that's a pretty big visual effect. I didn't expect you to go to bat so hard. I'm just for saying, it's Chris like, you Robin. Know, he's talking to a goddamn tennis ball, and you think <laughs> a right. bear is there? Jeez, <laughs> Joe's fired up about CR. Uh, First Man, which had incredible visual effects. Ready Player One, which, while I didn't like it at all, certainly had great effects. Uh, so, I, look, I would I would have put Solo in there over Ready Solo Player One. Solo is in there. Oh, it is. Before you go on your high oh, okay, horse. Okay, good. All right. Solo's in here. I mean, for me, of these, I got to go with First Man. I thought the effects were really great. I felt like I was in the fucking spaceship. Uh, We don't need to talk sound and all that. Song. I don't even know most of these songs. Animated Feach. Incredibles 2. Didn't see it. Isle of Dogs. Not good. And I didn't. I saw Spider-Man into the end of the Spider-Verse. I've been playing it close to the vest, folks, but I didn't like this movie. All right, I, I, I'll see it at some point, and then we'll do it. Ralph Breaks the Internet and Mirai. Uh, I mean, Spider-Man's going to win that. There's no question about it. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if Incredibles 2 won. That, that, was a, that was a long time coming sequel, dude. All right. Like, that was that, that movie was... That first one was huge. Documentary. Uh, there, so they don't nominate the absolutely incredible Won't You Be My Neighbor... Mr. Rogers movie that made me weep. They don't nominate it, but RBG is in here. I'm sorry, folks. RBG was a paint-by-numbers CNN documentary of an interesting woman, don't get me wrong, but that should never be nominated, and they should be embarrassed. That's the only one of these that I've seen. That's all I can really count on. What are the other ones? Free Solo, which is supposed to be like a cool mountain climbing. Yes. Hale County this morning, this evening. About a nice storm? That doesn't sound pretentious, does it? (laughs) Hale County this morning, this evening. Minding the Gap. That's about about vaginas. (laughs) And of fathers and sons. I'm glad you said it. I was going to say it, and I got nervous. No, it's fine. Fathers and sons. Cinematography, the only other one I'm really interested in. Cold War, the favorite. Never Look Away, whatever the hell that is. Roma and A Star is Born. I already did this. Roma. I'm trying to give you a few that I, that are like easy free ones, but that's all I really got. Um, the Oscars is ridiculous. They are you going to watch? Almost never get it right. I've watched it every year since I was five years old. I used to do a trivia game with my friends, like a pool. I would have a whole party for the fucking Oscars. Um, you couldn't nail me down to watch this fucking thing. I'm way less excited about it these days, but folks, I mean, come on. If you're into the movies, you're into the Oscars. Oh, this that's year, not true. I'm into the movies. I'm not into the Oscars. This year, I think it's going to be a real rough ride. Whether they get a host or not, I think it's going to be a uncomfortable night to watch, and that intrigues me all the more. I'd rather see a show that's a train wreck like the great Franco Hathaway disaster of a few years back than see you know, somebody do a pretty funny monologue and leave. I don't know if it's just that I'm older now, but I don't know, man. I, ca- I can't watch these things anymore. And I don't know if they were just always like this. They're and bad. I Hard ju- to watch. I just now notice, or if it's just deteriorated, but I-, I-, I can't watch these fucking things, dude. Oh, my God, I want to blow my brains out during them. I think what it is when we were outside of the entertainment industry, which sometimes it feels like we are. <laughs> I mean, you sit and 
you're like, oh, what a dream. And these people, like, you believe everything you see. And then you come out and start working with actors and meet these people. And you're like, oh, it's all horse shit. And, you know, you can't go back to the old innocence. But I still f- find some fun watching it. I like to order up some food, a bottle of wine with the missus and, and chill out. If you want to join us, Joe, here's your invite. Come on over to the house. We'll watch the Oscars. We'll have the a few drinks. Only thing I could think more depressing than watching the Oscars is watching them next to two people in love as I sit there alone <laughs> drinking wine. Maybe we'll uh, invite someone over for you to pray upon. All right. Do you, why do you always make me sound like a Not creep? pray in a bad way. Oh, I mean, you mean pray over, like, yeah, pray like over. religiously. Pray for her life. All right. You know, Walsh, uh, we all got Oscar fever. Um, <laughs> Thank you, folks, for coming out, and I hope our picks help you a little bit. I will say this. When I used to do the pool, sometimes I'd go off on my own, and that's always when you wind up winning big is when you pick what nobody else picks. But in terms of their choices, Entertainment Weekly is always very close. They are a good magazine for that. I would recommend them for that. Uh, If you want to hear the first part of this where we talk about the history of the Oscars, best picture, best director, it's over on the Patreon Let's not uh, let's we, not oversell the history of the Oscars. Part. <laughs> we got into it. We we talk a little bit about past. We got into it, but I mean, it's we're not on there being like the first ceremony it's was not held Ken in, a, Burns. in a tent. It's not Ken Burns, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we put a little more research into it than normal. Yeah, and uh, the Hog House we haven't mentioned in a while over on the Etsy page. If you want to check out the merch, uh, thank you to Emily Florence for keeping that running so well. Uh, happy birthday to Emily Florence. A little late. I think your birthday is today, but you'll be hearing this on Monday, so it'll be late. Happy birthday to you. Uh, the Cool Kids is on the Fox channel. It's also on Hulu. You can catch up on Hulu. You can watch the new episodes on Fox. Uh, DVR it. Watch it within three days. Whatever. I got to get this thing renewed, baby. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Patrick Walsh. Joe, what do you got? Joe DeRosa Comedy on Instagram. Joe DeRosa Comedian on Facebook. You can go to the Facebook page to see my new sandwich videos, Hoagies Heroes. Uh, Two are up now. There's four more coming fairly soon. Um, Oh, and I guess... you ever need a guest? We haven't had guests yet, but we might. All right. You're at the top of my list. I I don't know how to make any sandwiches, but... I would just feed you the sandwich. Oh, great. It'd be more like a, like a Mario Batali, like when he cooks for the person sitting across the desk. Great. And then, uh, and then I would also whip my dick out in front of you. Oh. Like Batali. Didn't he oh. do that? He did something like he that. He did, yeah. Uh, anyway, I, uh, if you're in Tampa, Florida, and just happen to be going on the Impractical Jokers cruise this week, <laughs> I'll be there. So come say hi if you're on that boat with me. Let's have a drink. Uh I guess that's it for plugs. Oh, and head over to patreon.com slash burr, B-U-R-R. Brand new episodes of The Uninformed Show with Bill and myself. Two per month for five bucks. Uh, That's it. Folks, we'll see you next time, and we'll see you in hell.